Let us pray. Startle us with your love and your truth, O God. Open us to the mysteries of your word. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Start of summer means many things. Dee talked a lot about that with the children this morning. It means, among other things, graduations. And I know that many of our families are enjoying celebrations these days that go along with completing high school or college and the anticipation of what comes next. All of that anticipation can carry along with it some anxiety as well. If there's college in the future or a first job, then that means that a decision has been made. A choice for one school or one job versus another. And a a choice about a new place to live and maybe an upcoming move. There are other decisions along the way that paved the way for this one. Which school activities to do? Which sports to play, what elective classes or a college major would be chosen. With all of this, there is the inevitable anxiety about how it will all turn out. Were these decisions that you made the right ones? Will they lead to happiness and security and satisfaction? And these are all versions of a question that we all ask at one time or another, did I make the right choice? Did I take the right path? I use this example of graduating seniors, but it's it's only one example. It's an example of anxiety about decisions that is common to every one of us. My Friday message to you all this week via email mentioned the often often dizzying array of choices that we face every single day, even when it comes to the simplest of things. Isn't it unbelievable that you can walk into the supermarket to get simple things like wheat bread or deodorant or paper towels and be faced by literally dozens of choices? I've watched people stand there in the aisle. I'm sure you have as well. I've been one of them, needing laundry detergent or razor blades and trying to figure it out. I've done it myself. Do I need fresh scent or spring breeze scent? Is four blades going to be enough? What if five is too many? And we... We struggle with little choices like these, so it's obvious that the bigger ones are going to cause you some really significant worry. And many choices are more meaningful. Where should I go to college? Who should I marry? Is it time to move, quit, retire? Should I have the operation? These are real choices. They are forks in the road, and they cause us real anxiety for what if we choose the wrong path? What will become of us? 
I haven't talked about baseball yet this season. I realized that this week to my surprise. And this isn't really doing so, but in struggling with these questions about choices, I remembered one of Yogi Berra's famous quotations. He said, when you come to a fork in the road, it's best to take it. And this is, of course, a joking reference to lines like the much more serious one from Robert Frost, two roads diverged in a wood, and I took the road less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Frost's poem is a little less about anxiety than it is about courage and nonconformity, and Yogi Berra's joke about it usually makes us laugh, we laugh because Bera calls attention to something important. Often we need to laugh about choices because choices make us worried. And it may surprise you to hear this, but Yogi Bera's quote on this subject contains some really good theology. And that's what I'd like to talk about for a few minutes this morning. Because in many cases, what God hopes for us is not so much that we would always make the right choice. God hopes for us to know whatever choice we make, that we are loved. And God is not going to abandon us. God will still be with us, whatever choice we make, whatever path we choose. And you see this in lots of Bible stories, including the one that Douglas read to us this morning. The story begins when the day of Pentecost had come. Pentecost, which begins with that prefix for 50, was the Jewish celebration of marking the 50th day after Passover. Christians remember Pentecost today, this Sunday. We remember it as the day that the Holy Spirit comes upon the church. According to the story, many people had made a long, long journey to Jerusalem from many other lands to celebrate the Passover. And because the journey was long, they had stayed through Pentecost. There was still a diverse crowd of travelers in the city of Jerusalem for the celebration of Pentecost. And Passover had taken place back right before the arrest and crucifixion of Jesus. So it was at that time that the disciples had gathered in an upper room for what we know as their Last Supper. And those of you who were here in worship last week, remember that I talked about how they have returned now to that upper room. The disciples, the disciples are all gathered in the upper room because they've been faced with a remarkable turn of events. The death of Jesus, and then his shocking resurrection, and his appearance to them, and his instruction that they are to go out into the world in his name and continue the work they started together. And this is all so disorienting to them that the disciples have returned to the safety and security of that upper room so that they can devote themselves to a period of prayer 
trying to figure out what the Holy Spirit is calling them to do. They're waiting and listening. They want God to tell them what to do. This is a story about the disciples at a fork in the road. I imagine that many of you would love it if our lives would play out much like this story seems like it's about to. You've come to a fork in the road in your own life and you don't know what to do next or you've made a decision and you want to know if it's going to turn out okay. Wouldn't it be great if you could sit down and pray and the Holy Spirit would come and tell you directly what path to take? And in this Bible story, the Holy Spirit is about to show up and explain everything. So are you ready to hear what happens? When the Holy Spirit comes, the disciples are waiting, gathered in that upper room, and out in the street, the Pentecost celebrators are gathered around, and all of them are overcome with the power of the Holy Spirit, and they begin speaking about the inspiration that they are receiving, and they do it in a hundred different languages. They can't understand one another because of the many ways that God is speaking. Every version of God's inspiration to them sounds different than the next one. The story says that skeptical onlookers thought that these people were drunk. But for those who received the Holy Spirit, God's inspiration was available to them no matter where they were from no matter where they were going, no matter what language they spoke. God speaks in every language to these people who have come from many lands along many roads and who will head home in many different ways. And God empowers them with the Holy Spirit, sends them along to serve wherever they will go, all the way to the ends of the earth. It seems to me that the Holy Spirit isn't about the business of offering instructions that will help you choose one right path. God doesn't pick one path. God's in the business of making all of them holy. This probably seems unhelpful, right? Why can't God just choose one path? Wouldn't that be easier? Well, maybe it would. But have you ever thought about how frightening it really would be if there was only one path in life where you could find the good life that God intends for you? Have you ever considered how limiting it is to suggest that God is only powerful enough to be with you if you choose that one path? And instead, have you ever considered what a gift it is that like this story says, God can follow you on any path you take? And in fact, God can follow you even if you pick the wrong one. 
And that's a gift. Do you remember the parable of the prodigal son? Young man asks for his inheritance before his father is even dead, journeys to a foreign land and throws it all away and comes back penniless. That's a bad choice. That's a series of bad choices. But you all know how that story ends, too. The boy finally comes to his senses and he starts to return home, hoping that maybe he'll be able to work his father's land as a slave. And the father welcomes him home because God followed that boy down even the wrong path. And even if the path you chose isn't really the best one, God can travel with you also. All too often, we have a strange concept of God. Theologian Craig Barnes says we treat God like a traffic cop who we expect to approve one path and to deny another one. And that's not who God is. God is a heavenly parent who loves us on whatever road we choose. And when and if we choose the wrong one, God still finds a way to love us all the way home. And when it comes to decisions, we talk a lot about right paths and forks in the road and stuff like that. But Barnes suggests that this idea of a road might be the wrong one altogether. Because life with God isn't so much a path as it is a river. Rather than worrying that we will choose the wrong road and God will not be able to follow us, we should imagine that we are afloat on a journey with God holding us up along the way. And that there will be twists and turns and unexpected things along this river, but God will always carry us. The river of our lives can be treacherous to be sure, but it always leads home to God. Songwriter Chris Cornell, who died a few weeks ago, wrote a song that has a line about the prodigal son story. And the refrain says, I'm not your rolling wheels. I'm the highway. I'm not your carpet ride. I'm the sky. God is with us whatever path we choose. The choices we have in life are many, and many of them are important, no doubt. But it is also true that we make God awfully small if God is only able to travel with us on one path. God's love is much greater than that. And to trust that God will follow us wherever we may go is what helps us to make choices and to be at peace. It's one of the ways that faith helps us to live a grounded life. Perhaps you've not considered before that those words from Yogi Berra contain some great theology. When you come to a fork in the road, it's best to take it. When we share the Lord's Supper together in worship, as we will today, I often hope to give you different ways of thinking about it that may help you to connect to this meal 
This meal that is meant to represent God's love for us. We spend a lot of time worrying about making the right choices and wondering what God would have us choose. What God chooses is to love us. We want to figure out all of the right answers on our own. God wants us to receive love and place our trust in the one who created us. So you're going to be given bread and wine this morning as a sign of God's love. And it's best to take it. 